0: Hey, everybody, we're so glad that you're tuning in today. This is the JMB2 Best Friend Podcast, and we're so excited that you're making it today. Now, this is our first podcast. Uh, For whatever reason, I decided to to record this while driving a car. So the audio is bad, but would you just stay with us? Would you give us some love? Give us some grace. It's our first podcast. So we hope you enjoy. Be blessed. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the podcast of two best friends and their anecdotal thoughts on the world, COVID-19, theology, ministry, everything else under the sun. Hopefully we'll get to at least a fraction of that today. I'm here with Jake Tom. My name's Ben, and we're so excited that you're joining us today. Um, just a side note as we get started. We are using the Luminous Church Podcast. So I wanted to let you know this is totally an op-ed or op-ed. Is it op-ed or op-ed, Jay? Op-ed. Op-ed. Okay, so op-ed. We we tip our hat to you, sir, during most of these conversations. Our hat is tipped to you. And most importantly, maybe the Holy Spirit will guide us in some of these conversations as well. But we did want to say that this is totally an opinion-based podcast. It is on the Luminous Church feed uh, for now, so if you do not want opinion, a raw opinion uh, for Ben, and not as a pastor, uh, but just as a friend, and J-Tom, not as a pastor, but as a friend, then if you want that, stay listening. If you don't, please skip to the next Luminous Church sermon today, and I promise you'll be encouraged. So J-Tom, what's up? What's happening? This is our first podcast.
1: Oh, you know, I'm just, you know, living, living the dream, living the dream locked in my house, like everybody else in America right now, you know, just, um, and, uh, you know, living that quarantine life, not like real quarantine, when, you know, where you, you show symptoms and you need to stay away from the public, but just the social distancing, stay home. So that's, that's really been my reality for the last three to four weeks, like everybody else. So
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So that, that starts off our first question today that I have for you is everybody's been using this word social distancing. It caught wind. I mean, you have. Uh, everybody's saying this, every government official social distancing. I have heard a lot of pastors and a lot of people say, let's not talk about social distancing, but let's call it physical distancing. Do you think that nuance really matters? Yes, I do. Um, I think right now,
1: like, in this exact moment, like this week, this day, we all know what social distancing means, right? We all know that that means no physical distancing. Yeah, we don't, that, that none of us sitting here in this moment think that they're saying, I can't talk to my friend over the phone or I can't have a Zoom call um, with my family or, or any of those kind of things. They're just saying, hey, keep your, your physical distance from other people. But I think it is important because words do matter and long-term, That people who are not right now in this context could start misinterpreting what that means, that social distancing actually means what the words mean, which is like all form of interaction with other people. And that's not what the government and authorities are asking us to do. So I do think it's a good distinction. I think it is important to say, hey, physical distancing, not social distancing.
0: I, I agree. I mean, I agree with you. I, I do love that you love words. Uh, not many people know this, but you have your JD in Texas Tech Law School, and uh, you don't practice law, uh, but you're a pastor and you care about words and you care about learning, you care about these things, so words matter. I have noticed uh, my uh, some of the people in my circle are highly introverts and they're loving the word social distancing because it's justifying all of their behaviors to not talk to anybody and do exactly what they wanted to do most of their life um but obviously that kind of counters uh, what we're called to do um as jesus would call us to be missional and actually maybe have a conversation with a neighbor or engage somebody with the gospel
1: it's just different personalities right doesn't different personalities are going to respond to these things differently like i was i was talking to um jill my wife about this this week and i was just it was just making the realization like i'm a pretty extroverted person you know but these past few weeks haven't been tough really i mean yeah i wish i could go hug my friends i wish i could go uh you know, have a conversation with somebody without wondering, being concerned about how far away I am from them and whether I should touch my face or not and all this stuff. But I, but in general, it's been not bad. Right. But I was thinking about in the context of I'm married. Right. And so I have my, most of my favorite people under my, the roof of my house, I get to see the three, three of my favorite people every day, meaning Jill and my two kids. But then it made me stop and think about that you know for people who maybe aren't married yet you know and even if they have roommates it's a different type of relationship that's this has got to be tough right now for them you know like they don't they don't have that they got to feel i don't feel lonely really not i mean yeah i wish i could see more of my friends but i have My favorite people right next to me at all almost all the time and if you have a good relationship with them it's it's really kind of like man this is almost like vacation a little bit you know whereas the people (laughs) who don't have that man that's got to hit pretty hard close to home for them a reminder of that they're alone or the feeling at least that they're alone
0: exactly exactly yeah i i totally can see that and understand that i you know i'm similar uh you know both of my parents live Right in a back house. My mother in law lives with us. Not many people know that. Um, uh, We have our parents on our property. And so there's a whole community that's happening uh, like never before in this season. So I completely understand the idea of being in close quarters with the people that you love, but I can't imagine the people who are alone. I do think um, uh, just one of the topics I want to talk about with you today is. The whole idea of the sanctity of life and
1: that's a real heavy
0: topic obviously so um we we're, we're going to try not to get too heavy uh, but but it is a it is a serious moment right now just the sanctity of life where the government essentially has um uh, validated and valued life by instituting a quarantine basically saying if we stay home according to the CDC recommendations that we'll be able to care for people more holistically across the board by the curve being flattened and you came out with a great instant story the other day on the sanctity of life and talking about the value of humanity i would love for you to maybe just take a couple minutes for anybody who's listening i don't know if anybody listens to this maybe just you and me will go back and listen but for the people who are listening um can you just kind of highlight your instant story um briefly for us tell us why you put that what do you think that means for us right now? Uh,
1: yeah, I basically what what's like spawned it was like they, they, in the past couple of weeks or so, um, certain government officials had kind of started floating this idea that that they were so deep, that they were, under, I mean, justifiably so, but were very concerned about the economic future of the United States. And just that the precautions we're taking in order to to save the maximum amount of lives was going to uh, just hurt the American economy so so badly that, that we should consider going back to work. And, and beyond that, that he knew this person that was uh, promoting this idea was basically saying that, that, this, that they knew that by going back to work, we would be putting uh, people at risk who are the most vulnerable. And he even went so far as to say that the grandparents Um, in society today would gladly sacrifice their lives to ensure economic prosperity in the future. And listening to that, I could definitely understand where he was coming from. I could put myself in his shoes um, and I'm concerned about our economy as well, but I was also deeply disturbed by it because it just, it felt like one, like that's a quite a few assumptions being made, you know, on the case of, on the behalf of other people. I don't know that all the grandparents around the United States are saying, yeah, I'm willing to die right now, you know? And, uh, and it'd be one thing if they were doing that, but this was just a singular individual and a lot of more younger people making this argument. And so I just had, that. I just was kind of bothered by it. I'd been thinking about it for a couple of days. And then one morning I'm scrolling through my feed and I have a couple of photographers that I follow. And these uh, photographers just take some pictures of people and I'm, I'm scrolling through it. And I see this image of this this woman, this elderly woman, and she's looks to be from some uh, tribe or people in Africa. And it just, something struck me as I'm looking at this face and she just had this beautiful face and her eyes were full of life and wisdom. And it just struck me. And so it, it kind of made me start writing. And so I just found a bunch of other photos of, of people, faces that struck me that um, were more advanced in age and started putting words to those pictures and basically talking about how, you know throughout human history it seems like most uh, human societies have held re- uh, a respect for the elderly um because they've right. recognized that are that usually it was the oldest among us who were the wisest among us which isn't a hard thing to understand and believe right because they've they've obviously lived the longest so they've had the most experience and if they've lived that long more than likely You know, they've they've been able to navigate through hard moments in their life. And so most societies viewed them with honor and and wisdom. But then I started thinking about us as the United States. And I started thinking, man, it doesn't seem like we have that same level of respect for our elders. Um, It seems more like we tend to view them as. Burdens on the young in society. And unlike most other cultures, it feels like we don't view them as wise at all. We view them as foolish, actually, like behind the times. They don't really have anything to tell us that we should really seriously consider. And then just also just the disturbing idea of like, why would we so quickly consider sacrificing them? You know, these, the oldest and wisest among us. And it just, gone on me that it's because of that is that we don't really value them as a society. And then the added bonus of that in a moment, in a time when we're facing problems that none of us have ever faced before, and that we probably as a a global community need the wisest among us to be speaking. um, We're not only not listening to the wisest among us, but we're actually considering killing them off because we want to protect our own financial future. And so it just really bothered yeah. me. And that was kind of the idea
0: and the thought behind that, that post. Yeah, man. Well, it was so powerful. I mean, if nobody um, saw that who's listening, go to Jay Thompson's Nelson's Instagram. He has it right there on one of his stories. And it is so powerful. When I saw it, I, I began to get emotional. And it was this thought, Jay, that I had um, a couple of weeks ago And I know a lot of people did is we we have this whole idea it's like a reversal where we have um, so many people believe in the sanctity of life for the unborn those who don't have a voice but somehow that changed where as people get older uh, in our society at large um, then it's time to start putting people in nursing homes and Mm. um, putting them away and we we thank them for what they've done and the inheritance that they've given, but now it's time to go away. And it almost seemed like these people who have such value for the people who aren't born yet, the unborn, the voice of the unborn, um, they place so much value on that and that life. But it seems like some of the people who value that were not valuing the elderly. Um, the fact is that for us to stop our economic engine, the way that we do society for, you know, the recommended 30 days until maybe see if this, if this experiment would work in order to save lives. Um, they just didn't seem to have the same value. And I don't know if I'm missing it, but that's, that's how I saw it is, okay, so people are pro life when it comes to the unborn, but are they pro life for the elderly? And that that's the big question that I think we all have. So that's what I thought was so powerful about that. Now, in your opinion, I mean, what what do you think about that at large? You feel like we need to be more vocal when it comes to the elderly, or, you know, at some point, you know, I mean, obviously everybody has their days numbered on Earth. You know, we're not going to live forever, Um, and so there there is this place this ethics right on on how much do we do to sustain life and keep life going i'm sure that's a battle right now yeah yeah
1: i think that's a that's a great question you know and one that if you if you ask people you ask pastors you ask economists you ask healthcare workers you and even individuals within those different groupings and all the other groupings too they're all going to give you different answers you know, and so I just think for me as a human being and as a follower of Jesus, my own personal view on it is, is God is the author of life. And life to me seems to be the greatest gift that God has ever given us um, because and I don't mean just like my heart is beating. That's an incredible gift, too. But life in like the biblical idea that life is equated to proximity and exp- uh, with, with God. That you know, when we're when we're far, like when we when we lose contact with God, that's when life ceases. But being but life begins and is sustained by continual proximity to God's presence and Spirit. And so, to me, that's the greatest gift we've ever been given. And so, to try to put a dollar amount on the value of life or when life becomes too costly, I just don't. I don't even know if I can accept the premise. You know, it's yeah. like. It's like, I think that's the wrong way of looking at it. I think we should fight for life, right. You know, for lack of a better term as much as we can. I don't know that you, I don't know that there's all the money in the world is worth the loss of a human life, you know? And that seems extreme and hyperbole, but I, I don't, I think that's true. I think it's just, we can't even, we can't even compare and contrast. They're not even in the same categories really, you know? Um, And so I just, I think it's, it's a good question. I mean, I think the hard part too, you know, you asked about the the people groups that sometimes seem to be very pro life in terms of the unborn, um, but doesn't seem like it seems that some of those same people were not so pro life when it came to fighting for they weren't that, you know, choosing the economy or choosing the elderly, you know, or maybe the other immune immune you know, immune compromised people is that. I think the thing we have to really look at in ourselves and really turn the mirror on ourselves. And I'm talking to myself too, is it's really easy to be pro life when it doesn't cost us anything. The hardest question, the hardest time to be pro life is when I actually have to give of something or sacrifice something um, in order to be, to maintain pro life, you know? Um, it's just, that's a, that's a tough position, you know? And it's, so it's easy. It's easier even with the context of the unborn and I'm in no way, I'm a very pro life person. Um, I, I, I hate, I, I do not, I'm not a, in agreement with the idea of abortion and, and you know, I don't, I'm not for it, but it's easy to be against it when it doesn't cost me anything to be against it. You know, it's a lot harder to be pro-life when I'm looking at the idea of like, okay, I can choose to protect somebody else's grandparents or I can protect my 401k. That's, that's a tougher question for me. I don't think it's any less easy to answer, but it's a lot harder to
0: live out. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. You know, it's fascinating, um, the whole pro-life um, basis in camp. You know, you have so many men who speak out on pro-life and the political arena and all these arenas. You have so many men who do it. But you're right. Men, it doesn't cost men as much as it does women when it when it comes to the unborn, when you are birthing this child and now you're responsible I was reading a statistic the other day, um, and who knows if this is factual, but 24% of people who decide to abort do so based on economics, that they can't afford the child. And it seems like we do. um, uh, When it comes to affordability and how much can we really pay and sacrifice for, um, for life, that really affects a lot of our decisions. And that seems like for those who are Um, not born yet, and those who are elderly. And uh, just the burden, um, how much burden, how much stress, how much pressure will this put on us? Those are hard decisions. And I think the best decisions, you know, when it comes to life is um, how can we help people to the best of our ability to help care for people um, seems biblical to me. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. it seems like that's just what God would want is what's the best care for people. So obviously, I mean, I know that your mother-in-law is in a nursing facility, but that's not because, mm. you know, that's um because you're trying to relegate her um away from your life. It's because that's where she could receive the best care. So I understand that. And I just think where can life have the best care? Where would there be the best care for that? And that's why so many people have given up you know, babies for adoptions because they realize they would have better care. We have people who adopted from Ethiopia that we know, and um, the parents just could not afford to care, and they would get better care in the United States if they go live with a family. Although that family would love to care for them, they just don't have the means. And so I think these are important decisions when it comes to life, when when we talk about life and how we move about it. Now, Jay, I want to, I want to talk about something real quickly. And I don't, you know, for our first podcast, I mean, we, you and I could probably go for, um, for hours, but I don't know if anybody mm-hmm. else would listen to us for hours. <laughs> I, I, I do think it's an interesting concept right now where we have, um, we're looking at the people that affects the most are the elderly, but the elderly are also, as a general rule, um, or this would be my assumption, is that they are some of the most isolated people. Mm. And for us to move into this place of self-isolation and physical distancing, it's giving us an empathy, not just an awareness to save the elderly and save those most susceptible, but it's also giving us empathy for how these people have lived their last decade, two decades of life. I just don't see that as a bad thing. I mean, have you thought about that parallel? That
1: meaning that the parallel that like now you and I and everyone else is now experiencing what many of the elderly have been experiencing for the last decade by the fact that we're isolated to our homes. Oh yeah, exactly. I don't know that, I don't know that how many of us have actually like uh, put words to that, but I definitely think subconsciously we're all experiencing that, that there's this, um, there's an emptiness that can happen when you're unable and to connect, uh, not just with the people closest to you, but just people in general. And I for one hope that that it changes a lot of how we operate. And that that, you know, there was like it's almost like the way I was thinking about it is this is that, you know, sometimes you can when we get in the, you know, the bluster of life and the speed and everything and go, 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 and do, do, do. You know, it's we're we're all about efficiency almost, or at least we think we're all about efficiency. We want to be like, don't get in my way, don't slow me down, I gotta go do this stuff, right? We don't want to be inconvenienced by anything. And so sometimes we could view some of those like what we would call uh, maybe maybe before we would call like social responsibilities, meaning like, or familial responsibilities, like, Oh, I got to go see grandma again, you know, or something like that. You know, we would view it as an inconvenience almost. And that's, I mean, if I'm being real, sometimes that was that way, right? It's like, man, I just don't have time to go talk to my grandmother for an hour right now. Right. Like an and obligation. It, yeah. It's an obligation. And, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I, I have, I felt conviction. Right. Cause that's, that's just a wrong way to view it I, it's a privilege it's a it's a, a privilege to get to go talk to my grandmother or talk to um, anyone really you know and so hopefully I just think maybe a positive that I can come out of this experience is that we'll no longer view human yeah. interaction no matter who it is as an inconvenience right. or an obligation but a blessing and a privilege to get to do it because now we know what it's like to lose it you know
0: and uh, it's not fun for a lot of us yeah. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this, and um, not to go longer, um, but but I am, um, <laughs> because it's our podcast, and, you know, not many people are listening anyway, um, but I, I was thinking about this. I grew up in Midland, Texas. I now live in San Antonio, and the population has gotten um, 15 times larger just by moving overnight to a different locale, and what I began to see in life in Midland, I would see... I would see people and I would see stories. So every time I ran into somebody familiar at a grocery store and stuff, I knew their story. I knew I knew when they got married. I knew what kind of loss and grief they had. Um, I knew a little bit about them. And, and in a smaller town, you know more of the percentage of the population. But then when I moved to San Antonio, I quit seeing people as stories, and I started seeing people as numbers, because I was so overwhelmed and I didn't I didn't know anybody or recognize anybody. So mm-hmm. I didn't really start thinking about their story. But I started seeing them as, you know, a roadblock in some ways. Oh, man, they're just traffic. They're slowing me down from getting home. Oh, man, they're slowing me down in the line at the grocery store. They're slowing me down in this. And I started seeing them as a burden. People as a burden mm-hmm. and people as a number versus people as a story. And the truth is, and we've all heard this, is um, behind every number is a story. Uh, But this being slowed down right now, in this season of reflecting, exactly what you're talking about, is we're starting to see people for people again. Um, Mm. we're, we're, We're no longer jaded by the numbers. But now when we go out in the community and I go out on the highway, I get excited when I see a car driving. I get excited when I see somebody at the gas pump. I, I just there's something in me that just wants to talk to them because they're a person and they have a story and there's something about their life that I want to know about. And I mm-hmm. I feel like I, I you know, this is a little taken out of context, but but maybe not. Um God works together all things for his good, right? And mm-hmm. you know, and I believe that in the overall narrative for sure. But I'm also seeing that in this narrative, that even through all this pain and all this suffering, there is a lot of good. And I think we've highlighted some of that um, already on this podcast. Hey, do you have, um, Jay, do you have a last Mm. minute thought as everybody's listening to this podcast? Anybody you want to give a shout out to or maybe a last minute thought as we begin to close?
1: Mm. Yeah, I I would just say, you know, um, don't. Uh, that 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 promise that Pastor Ben or just Ben in this podcast was saying I think that's something as believers as followers of Jesus we should hold on to is that that uh, the promise is not that hard things won't come but the promise is that even when hard things happen essentially that still good will come from it right mm-hmm. is that all things will work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes so if you love the Lord and are called according to his purposes this situation things will be good that come out of it. And so don't like, we shouldn't want to just rush past these seasons, right? We want to, we want to pause and ask, okay, God, where are you in this moment? Because God is in this moment. He's not in the future. He's not in the past. He is, right? He is the great I am. He is ever present. He is right now. And so we want to find God where he is right now and ask him, okay, God, what are you showing me through this? How can I love my neighbor through this? How can I stop even, uh, and I can start applying what Ben was talking about, like, how do I, how do I stop viewing people as numbers and start viewing them as stories, as flesh and blood, real life people that you intentionally made by your own hands? So that's my thing is like, let's just, let's just not rush past and skip steps and rush past this lesson and this thing that god may be wanting to show us through this hardship and this tragedy and this crisis because it is those things but god's also going to use it to teach us something too i think
0: awesome man well that's so good well bro i i love talking to you um and hopefully some people enjoyed this i know that um our podcasts will be available uh, for anybody who just wants some encouragement or just hear another thought on what's happening in life. So um, stay tuned to the to the Ben and J-Tom Best Friend Podcast, whatever we're naming this. It's going to be awesome. Thanks, Jay. Love you, man.
1: Love you, dude.